0: Come on, let's why don't you just give it up. Let's just turn that praise toward heaven and say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your unspeakable gift. Thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Lord, that you're the forgiver of our sins. Come on. Amen. And the reason we rejoice today. Amen. amen. Come on. We don't rejoice over politics. Come on. Oh, you don't have to just rejoice over the weather. I live in Washington. We don't rejoice over the weather. Come on. Are you with me? Come on, but but I rejoice because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? No matter what's going on around me, there's a joy in me because I know my eternal reward. Amen? Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Man, it's dangerous in here this morning. Come on. Praise the Lord. Bishop, Pastor Brian, thank you so much for the honor. Uh, it's an amazing thing that your pastor would say, I want a guest in the pulpit on Father's Day. So I better not mess things up. (laughs) God help me not to mess things up, right? Come on. Amen? Amen. Before I, I, you know, get rolling too much, I want to just say thanks to all the guys. What a great time we had Friday night, Saturday morning. Your heart for the Lord inspires me. And that's one of the drives of my heart to see men become fully alive and fully engaged. You see, the real problem we have in America is not immorality, it's not, it's not uh, drugs, it's not even the confusion over gender that is prevalent in our society today. It's not a Republican issue or a Democratic issue, come on, it's not a Democrat issue, it is a fatherlessness, come on, that's the issue in America. Are you with me today? Are you with me? So, guys, as you get those devotionals, those, those were designed uh, to not go through alone. In fact, in the, in the beginning of it, you're going to hear you need to find a compatriot. You need to find somebody that you walk through that uh, 50 days, 5-day week, uh, 10 weeks with, and it helps you do life together. How many know we're not designed to do life alone? Come on. The Bible says he who isolates himself rages against wisdom, but isolation doesn't mean an absence of people sometimes. You ever been in a crowd and felt all alone? Am, am I the only one? Come on, right? Right? You, could, you can be doing life not with someone else, but when you are with someone in life, not just in marriage, but in life, you're doing life with people, they make you better. Come on. Pastor Brian makes me a better man. Come on. Amen. He's making me a better man, I'm, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, very, very grateful for that. So um, there you go. That was free. Then we will get started, but before I do... Uh, if you haven't met me, my name is Dwayne. I am from Washington, the state, not the chaos. Okay, so I want to be very, very clear. I'm from uh, Washington, out west, and uh, I am very, very honored to be with you. We were here back in the fall. I had my mom and my younger sister with me at the time. I had a, had a wonderful time with you, and uh, my heart, I just felt like I was family when, my, when, I, when I entered in. When I walked into the house, I felt like I'm I'm family. Now, now part of that is because I was born in Richlands, Virginia, so maybe there's a little uh, I'm close to home. But but I thank God for God's family, and uh, and today it is really just a deep honor for me uh, to have my cousin Garnet and his wife Jacqueline with us today. Uh, would you just just welcome my family? So honored, so honored, and um, we. Uh, we, we just got connected on Facebook this last, uh, I don't know, maybe the, within the last week, Jacqueline and I did. And it's like uh, Garnet and I hadn't seen each other for, since the 70s and uh, until we met uh, once again out here on the sidewalk. I mean, that's a special time. Amen? Amen. And he said he was worried about his hair turning gray until he saw mine is turning loose. And so we hadn't saw each other in a while. So here we are, and it's just a joy to be with him. So I want to share a message with you today that, that, that if I could ask for one revival in America, and I, I hear there's an amazing thing happening in the Virginias, huh? Come on, hearing some great, great, great stuff. Uh, just reading of another one happening in, I think it was North Carolina uh, yesterday. Uh, started out with a couple hundred people and now I think Friday night they had 5,100 people under a tent, 80 people came to Jesus. Uh, there's some things happening, amen? Amen? And, and I'm very, very excited about that, but, but boy, I, I want to say this in the right way. Uh, pastor visited Brownsville Revival twice that he told me. I was in the Brownsville Revival uh, many years ago as well. And um, Brownsville today, where there was the revival, is nearly a ghost town. It's, a, it's a, just a small contingent of people that used to attend, and they're struggling with defaulting on their mortgages of the buildings they built during the revival. You see, now, now I'm, like, I'm making a point. What, what I want to say to you is I want to see a revival that goes from glory to glory. And, and the secret of that does not lie in a title. It does not lie in a pastor or a minister or an evangelist. The secret for that lies in you and me. Come on. You, you, you doing okay? Can I preach this morning? Amen. Come on. Can we, how, many, how many in the room have a habit? Okay, how, how many um, have a habit you just don't want to raise your hand? Yeah, there you go. Okay, come on. How, how many know, anybody have a, a, a habit you kind of wish you'd get rid of? There's a few, there's some confessions. really good for the soul. All right. Uh, how many have good habits, like uh, uh, taking a shower daily? How many know that's a good habit? How many know when you, trans, when you uh, transform from Saturday bath night to daily shower, and that was a good habit? And you found more friends? Come on. I mean, how many know the habit of brushing your teeth is a good habit? Come on, are you with me? And, 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 and we have other habits, too. We usually hear about the habits, that habit slash addiction, that, you know, things that we'd like to, maybe we have a, you know, I have a habit I probably should get rid of, and it's ice cream at night. I'm waiting for somebody else to lift their hand so I know I'm not alone. Come on, all right. <laughs> Come on, ice cream at night. And, and, and we're empty nesters now. Forget the bowl. I just go to the freezer and pull out the carton, you know. How, how many of you know that's probably not a good habit? Come on, now I'm feeling convicted. I'll be in the altar at the close of the message. All right, but the reality is there can be some really good habits, and I want you to look with me in Acts chapter two and verse forty-two, and and it says this. You know what happened in Acts two, right? Come on, the Holy Spirit descended for the first time in a group in the upper room, and uh, I've had the privilege to be in that upper room, and uh, which was amazing uh, a number of years ago when we went to Israel. In fact, we prayed for a a Catholic priest and his team that was there from France that was desiring the Holy Spirit. And God did a powerful work in their lives. And someone said, well, did they, did they receive the baptism with the evidence of speaking with other tongues? And I said, I don't know. They were speaking in tongues when I met them. They're French. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I don't know what happened. But I know they were receiving something from God in that upper room. And how many know it's not just contained in the upper room, but the Holy Spirit hovers throughout the earth. It is he, the third part of the Trinity that we sense today. Come on. Come on. He is among us. He, when two or three gathered, he's in our midst, right? And he's not only among us, he's in us. If you believe in Christ, come on. If, if you have an authentic faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Come on. And the response of the Holy Spirit living in, the response of the church was this, and it says this, and they, what, continued steadfastly. Does that sound like a habit? Uh, Some translations say they devoted themselves. How many know going to church should be a good habit? Come on, and that's exactly what it said. And they continued steadfastly. They have a habit of listening to the teachings of their leaders, the apostles' doctrine, right? They had a habit of fellowship. And how many know uh, who you're hanging with will determine your future? Come on, come on. I love to be with people of like precious faith, amen? And he says, the fellowship and the breaking of bread, the communion together, come on, and what? And prayer. I'm going to know prayer is a good habit. Come on, give us this day our daily bread, Father. Come on. Prayer is a good habit and it should be out of relationship, not out of need. You know, some Christians the only way God can get them to pray is have them have a problem so they live in constant crisis so God will hear from them. Come on. It's it's more than a crisis, it's more than a need, it's a relationship. And so it says they continued steadfastly. In other words, it was their uh, habit after the Holy Spirit went to work on them that that, and I call this the four pillars of the church. And, and so, how many know this is really, really important? Now, out in Washington, we have Christians that are known as priesters. I know you probably don't have priesters here, but it's those Christians that only show up at church on Christmas and Easter. You with me? Twice a year. In fact, when I pastored, when, when I pastored the church there in my hometown and, and where I grew up in the church, uh, sometimes I was shocked to read the obituary and find out some people that claimed our church uh, as their home. You know, I had only seen them one time in 20 years, but that, was, that was, they were members of that church. Come on, are you with me? See? See, when the Holy Spirit's at work, there should be a habit of gathering together. I'm talking to somebody today. All right, are you with me? Now, I want to show you something in Exodus chapter 19. I really, I'm just, I want to lay a foundation, and, and, and I want to share a few thoughts with you today, because I want to talk to you out of that, I want to talk to you about that habit of obedience. Just went quiet in the church, didn't it? Let me try that one more, let me try that over here. I want to talk to you today about the habit of obedience. Come on, are you with me? All right, all right. I'm just going to come over here, all right. These guys are doing all right. But get this, in Acts chapter 19, now we know what happens in Acts chapter, I mean, sorry, in in Exodus chapter 20, is we find the 10 um, recommendations, don't we? We find the 10 commandments. Anybody with me? Right? Right? Written in tables of stone, we understand that it was a guideline. Is everybody with me? But I want you to see this in in Exodus chapter 19. Now therefore, I'm reading out of verse number 5, now therefore, if you will indeed, now I want you to catch this, if you will indeed, what are the next three words? Obey my voice. Now, word that was often missed, it says, and keep my covenant. Come on. But how many know if I'm gonna keep the covenant? It starts with obeying the voice of God. Somebody with me? Come on. Then you shall be a oh come on, I like this part. You'll be a special treasure. Pastor C.T., I'm a special treasure when I'm in covenant with God and obeying his voice. Come on. I'm the apple of God, I'm his favorite. Anybody else? Come on. I'm his favorite. Man, God loves me. Actually, he loves me when I fail too. His love is the same. Come on. But he's saying, you will achieve everything I wanted you to achieve. You will be a special treasure if you will walk in obedience to my voice. That's what he's saying, right? You'll be a treasure above all my people for all the earth is mine. Isn't that powerful? And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now, how many know that that got translated oftentimes into an outward list of commands? Now, I was raised, the church I I ended up pastoring, I was raised in, and we made radical shifts in that church. I was raised in the don't church. Anybody else? See, um, my righteousness was measured by what I didn't do right? I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't fill in the blank, right? In fact, I was raised in the church. Pastor, you don't go to movies. Now, now when you really analyze it, we were hypocrites because we waited till it come out on video and watched it at home. Anybody? Come on. But we didn't measure that. In fact, I was raised in that don't church at such a level. The first movie in the theater I saw as an adult was with my wife and my two girls. And we went out of town to see it. And it was called The Lion King. That wasn't that many years ago, was it? So here's a guy that came out of something that that was an outward command or, if you will, tablets of stone. Come on, are you with me? See, God was never after an external drive. God is always after our heart. Somebody with me. He said, if you will obey my voice and keep my commandment. Now, now here's the problem. I don't think I have it on the screen, but, but in James chapter 2, verse 20, uh, it says, faith without works is so I gotta, I gotta do something about it, right? Let, let, me, let me say it in this way. So I'm talking about obedience, a habit of obedience. If I'm out here on the interstate, and I'm in the fast lane standing in the fast lane on the interstate, and I really believe the semi's coming, barreling down on me, I will do something. Come on, right? If not, I'm roadkill. Come on, are you with me? I'm laying on the road thinking, God, why didn't you do something? And God said, I showed you the semi, faith without works is dead. Come on, are you are you with me? Uh, You know, it can't be just a mental ascent. you got to do something about it. Come on. Right, right. God God can speak to you that you need to get something right with somebody, and you can go away telling, Pastor, what a great message it was, but nothing changes until there's a step. And the step begins from the heart. Is somebody with me? Right? Right? In Colossians 2, verse 20, in the New Living Translation, it says this. Just lay in a foundation. I'll let you out by 2 o'clock. i have guaranteed. Okay? Just kidding. You have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Come on. So, why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle? Do you see that? Come on. Don't taste. Don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. You with me? These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion. Pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Right? Now, 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 now get this. Jesus, Jesus took the Old Testament, right, in the Sermon on the Mount, and he just took the commandments and he just brought them right down to our heart. Did he not? What, what did he say? He said, you know what? You guys have been told, you know, um, not to kill. Most of us have held that up, except for hunting. And some of us have even been successful there. <laughs> Come on. Are you with me? Come on. But the, the, the reality is we've done pretty good with that. But, but Jesus said, no, no, it's not just about not killing. If you're angry with somebody without cause, it's equal to murder. What? Well, let me go just a little bit further. He said, you guys have been told don't commit adultery. But let me take it just a little bit deeper, because I'm really after the heart. If you look on a woman with lust, it is equal to adultery. Getting quiet in the church all of a sudden, right? Come on, come on. Because I, listen, I can live my life not committing adultery, but if my heart isn't right, Come on, that marriage certificate that I have, okay, with my bride Jana, 36 years we have together, is not strong enough to keep me from committing adultery on her. If there's not a heart connection that will cause, that will result in a walk of obedience. Oh, come on, walk in obedience, come on. And that was God's, God wants my heart. Can I just go a little bit further? The don't church people were some of the meanest people I ever met on the planet. Because they were so quick to judge what they were good at that I failed in. And I was kind of a rebel anyway. You show me a rule, I'll figure some way around it. Come on. Is anybody else in the house? You know, it's like, we got to figure a way around this, right? Come on. There's where the line is. Don't touch that wire. It's hot. Okay. Yep. I found out that wire's hot, right? Come on. See, the scripture says it in this way. We can't measure by what we do because in the New Testament, it clearly says that if we try to keep, I think it's in James, I don't think it's on the screens, James chapter 2, verse 10. It says, If we try to keep the whole law, now I want you to really hear this. If I try to keep the whole law, yet offend in one, come on, one, I'm guilty of it all. One, come on, God, I haven't killed. Come on, God, I haven't committed adultery. Come on, God, I go to church. Come on, God, I've done 99 of these things. And God said, Yeah, but if you're gonna go with rules, you missed one. So I am flunking you from the entire course. You missed all 100. Somebody with me? No, that's not good news. That, that stinks. That sucks, man. You can't live it. And all of a sudden, God went, da-da-da-da-da, right answer, Dwayne. You can't live it. I don't want you to do all that stuff through self-denial. I just want your heart. Because whatever has your heart has your walk of obedience. Whatever has your heart has your devotion. Whatever has your heart will launch you into what God planned for you before you ever drew your first rat. I don't have to convince somebody. Come on. When God has the heart, they're going to walk it out in obedience. Come on. So it's a hard issue. It's always been a hard issue. Come on. It's what it said in the New Testament. He said, I used to write on tables of stone, but I don't anymore. I used to dwell in the tabernacle, but I don't anymore. Come on. I dwell in human hearts through the Holy Spirit, and I write on your heart. You know, while this service is going on, the Holy Spirit's writing. He's speaking. Come on. Because that's what he does, right? Because he wants to bring out the best in Dwayne. And there's still some work to be done on Dwayne. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? How many know God's still working on you? That's not an excuse to live in sin. Come on, come on. A lot of people say, well, God's still working on me. And what they're trying to say is I'm too lazy to do anything. You know, the reality is God is still working on us, but it requires an action on our part that only comes out effectively from our heart. And we don't even know our own heart. Jeremiah said, The heart is deceitfully wicked, and who can know it? It's, it's, God knows the answer. That's a rhetorical question. He's saying, Dwayne, you don't know your heart, but I know your heart, and if you walk in obedience without trying to understand, you will fulfill everything I plan for you. Come on. Look at this 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. Clearly, you are an epistle, the word letter. You're a letter of Christ, ministered by us. Paul is saying this to the church of Corinth, and it's written what? Not in ink, not in stone tablets on a mountain somewhere. Where is it written? The fleshy tables of the heart. What Paul is saying is, Christ in you, that letter is written in your heart. As he's speaking to us. Come on. Right? Right? You know, even right now, I can be delivering one message and the Holy Spirit is at work diversely in this room right now, just writing things down. Isn't that cool? But it requ- now wait, let me show you something. But it requires my obedience. See, because you, pastor, you said it so well, God doesn't bless us just to be blessed. God blessed us as a channel of blessing to others. So my responsibility when I'm coming to one life was not to preach what I want to preach. Pull out my, quote, five-star sermon that worked really well in 1986. Come on, right? Come on. I'm supposed to come and hear, Father, what are you saying to one life so that I might speak what heaven once spoken so that fruit may come? Am I talking to somebody today? Come on, look at this. Let's go a little further in Corinthians 3, just six verses down. Because he just finished saying, he just finished telling us it's written in the heart, right? It's written in the heart. That's what he's saying. Get this. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory. I just think this is so cool. I want to know the covenant in the Old Testament was incomplete. It was incomplete. It didn't work. How do we know it didn't work? Just one verse in the Old Testament God called Israel a backsliding cow. Am I telling the truth or not? I think the word was heifer there, wasn't it? A backsliding, how'd you like to be? Yeah, a whole nation's called a backsliding cow. Because God was always after their heart, not their external circumcision and remember the Sabbath. Come on, are you with me? It's not, the Old Testament was outside in, the New Testament is inside out. There is a flow of river that comes out of your heart. That's why God is after our heart. Come on, are you with me? Are you with me? You see see what I'm saying? So he said, the Old Testament was a ministry of condemnation. You know why? Anybody else that just, I felt condemned most all of the time in the don't church. I literally, I mean, I'm just preaching my heart to you. I would go home after Sunday thinking, God, I hope I can hold it together till next Sunday. God, I hope I don't accidentally say damn or something during the week and end up not making heaven. Come on, is somebody with me? Now I just said it and it probably got recorded. Because I'm free in Jesus Christ. Come on, are you here or what? It's not an excuse to go live in the world. It's that God captivates the heart. And all of a sudden I start doing without even a willpower what God wanted me to do because he has my heart. Come on. The old way had condemnation. To condemn. That you're not good enough. I hate that. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they smell like. I don't care what their behavior's been like. I love them in Jesus Christ. They don't have to get cleaned up to be loved. They're loved for who they are, where they are. Come on, church. Amen? That's how people pass from death to life. Not convincing them they're going to go to hell, but letting them experience the Jesus in us. But if I'm not in love with Jesus and I'm busy trying to live the rules, then I'm waiting on everybody else to measure up. Well, check that guy over there out. Come on. He has tattoos. I don't have tattoos. He has earrings. I don't have earrings. He has long hair. Come on, come on. He has holes in his jeans. You pay more for that nowadays, right? Come on, right? He's a smoker. Come on. just We can just throw in one after another. I, I, I've had him walk into our church. I remember one guy had really struggled with alcohol. And we were in the middle of remodeling a a, a grocery store that we had purchased for our church. And there was a big sign outside. And we had taken the front of that sign off and was peeling the vinyl off. And we had learned that if you use a torch and just heat the vinyl, you can peel it really well. And he wanted to help. The problem with Ken was he was drunk. He burnt my hands a half a dozen times because he couldn't hold the torch still. Come on. And I kept letting him help. I just learned to get quicker. Because I'm not going to condemn Ken, somebody, because I come out of the don't church. And we loved Ken into the kingdom. Come on, somebody with me? I can go on and on and on. So the old covenant had condemnation because if you keep all the points and offend in one, you're guilty of all. And that is the end result. The end result, do you know what it is? We can't do it. Paul said this. Paul said, I have learned that when I'm weak, I'm strong. The man who could quote the first five books of the Old Testament, hello, the upper crust of Israel, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, come on. And he said, I'm, I'm not all that in a bag of chips. He said, I can't do it. But in that secret... Can I just go? Can I go gender on you for just a minute? That's why men often struggle in the kingdom more than women, because we have more struggle saying we can't do it. I'm just waiting on one man to say amen to that because that's as true as the earth is round. Come on, right? We struggle sometimes. Say, oh no, I got it. I got this. No, no, no. You you don't. You don't got this. You can't do this. And in that revelation, all the power needed to do it comes from within, because God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Isn't that how you enter the kingdom? When he began the Sermon on the Mount, he gave us the door. Matthew chapter five, verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble. Well, I'm humble, bless God. No, you're probably not if you're self-identifying as it, right, right? All right, look at this. So I'm gonna go somewhere with this. Proverbs chapter three, verse one. My son, do not forget my law, but, what? Let your, let your what? Keep my commandments. Don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. I'm going somewhere. Look at this next verse, same chapter, verse five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your, and lean not on your own. How many know sometimes life doesn't make sense? How many know sometimes you can do the right thing and suffer for it? Do I have any friends in the house? How many many know you can be on the right track and all hell breaks loose around you? Come on. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll do what? Direct your path. That's what I want to talk about. Here's, Here's what I want to talk about. Because when and it comes to the heart, the word does not come externally. It is not a bunch of rules and regulations. If you're trying to live in the Christian world with rules and regulations, it's going to mess you up every time. You will lack the love of God, you will lack the grace and mercy of God, and you'll just be messed up because you see the li- you see other lives and the world through rules and regulations. But if you will let God begin to do what he wants to do on your heart, he will keep working on your heart, and then there will be a corresponding obedience out of that heart that will cause you to fulfill everything that God has called you to do. You with me? I mean, it's just like, this thing just blows up inside of me when I realize that. Now, let me, let me explain how this thing works. The word of the Lord comes. In the beginning was the word, John 1, right? The word was with God and the word was God. Nothing was made without him. That's talking about Jesus was way before he came to earth in the gospel. Somebody with me, right? It was the Trinity, the Godhead, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And see, he's at work today. So the word comes. Now, it comes in many ways. Thank God we have the Bible. Come on, and we should be living daily in the word so we know what it says. But how many, you ever been just reading and all of a sudden you've read that passage a hundred times and all of a sudden that passage comes alive and gets inside of you? You ever read through that passage and read through it and read through it and all of a sudden you read through it and you find yourself weeping? Come on, come on, you're weeping and saying, God, please forgive me, oh my Lord. And there was a fresh revelation of something that just happened. Isn't that powerful? Or, or sitting in a service like this when even right now God's speaking and dropping nuggets in your heart. See, now, now and here, here's what happens. In, in America, one of the travesties of the American church is we have what we call mental, what I call mental ascent. One of the three travesties of the American church, one of them is mental ascent. And what I mean is, that was a good word. I have the right words. Great preaching today, pastor. You see, a sermon will not make us better. I have no illusions that the message I delivered today is going to make you better what, can we go early for lunch then? Can we beat the Baptist? <laughs> well, you know, let me, let me go a little further. It's your response to the word that brings change. Right? right? Be not forgetful hearers of the word, but doers. That's what he said in James, right? Because if you just hear and not do, deception starts not with anybody else, it starts with me. But when I hear and do, now, there, here's usually where we're hung up. So if I could ask for one habit, one revival in America, it would be a revival of obedience. What? That's too simple. No, I believe with all of my heart, America could be transformed with a revival of obedience among the church. I believe that. Everything in me believes that. I see that because, oh, man, I just can I just unload? Look at this. The word comes, and then it requires a response because faith without works is dead you see faith is the cadaver faith is the dead body in the casket the works is the breath of god that brings life my faith is dead until i do something with it somebody so the word comes then i move in obedience and then i have an experience it's really a threefold chord of ecclesiastes i grew up in church i grew up in the don't church all of a sudden, one day, I've been going to that church. In fact, I, I, I love to tell people, hey, I, I had a drug problem when I was young. My mom drugged me to church three times a week, you know. I mean, I was uh, four times a week, actually, you know. And so Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, and Friday night. And, and, and going to church, going to church. But I remember junior high, one day I walked into church, and pastor was preaching right at me. There might as well have not been any. Come on, anybody else had the experience? Might as well have been nobody else in the building. Man, he was preaching right at me. What was going on? The Holy Spirit was at work what? In my heart man, what is going on? I'm weeping. I'm in junior high school. I run to an altar and give my heart to the Lord. Now, now I could have wept and everything had I not moved into conversion. Had I not moved to receive Jesus, come on, there would have been no experience. The experience is salvation. Come on, are you with me? And, 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 and then all of a sudden, God's doing a work in my life. Now, I'm just going to tell my story for a minute. Can, can I just tell you my story? I'm in the don't church, right? And then I hear about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I see people speaking in tongues, and I see people, God using people, and it's just like, wow, and I want that. But Pastor CT, I'm scared. I'm scared to let my tongue loose because I'm afraid some cuss words going to come out of my mouth. And then everybody's going to say, we knew he wasn't saved. Literally, it took me months to release myself into the things of God. But when I did one day, whoo, glory, the Holy Spirit began to well up within me. And a heavenly language come out of heaven into my life. And my life was transformed. It took me off of a track that was going one way. And God said, Dwayne, this is what I want for your life. Boom, something happened. But listen, nothing would have happened without my obedience. It's a partnership between us and heaven. It's too many times we're waiting on God to do something that's our responsibility. Hey, God, I'm praying for a job. How many <laughs> applications have you put in? I'm just sitting at home praying. That's incomplete. Get up and do something. Yeah. Semi just run over you, dude. Come on, right? Get out of the road. Go do something. Faith that out works is dead. So the Holy Spirit comes into my life and, and, and begins to change my life. I have this amazing experience. And then I found out I'm supposed to be baptized. So guess what? I go get Baptized. I have this amazing experience. You see, the word comes, there's an obedience, and there's an experience, right? The word comes, there is an obedience, and there is an experience. The path of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Do you see, I'm going somewhere as long as this thing's working in me. Usually where we get stuck is right about here. The word comes, and we don't want to do what he's asking us to do. Oh, salvation was easy. Free gift, name written in heaven, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Wow, change, whoa, water baptism, cool. Tithing? You with me? And God said, hey, Dwayne, now he first spoke to me about tithing when I had young children. Worked in a job holding, bringing home about $700 a month. $350 $350 house payment. We were rich. See, obedience requires a level of death in us so that life may come from us. You with me? That's why it said lean not on your own understanding. Because sometimes God will ask you to do stuff that's crazy, like bring a sack on Sunday morning. Can I just preach right about now? I can just really, you know, we, we, we're saved, but we measure what God's asking us to do with our emotions. And that's where we get in trouble. Because if you sit down and pencil it out, if I've got $100 and I give God $10, I have less. Come on, somebody. But the reality is obedience springs me into a life. Now, I'm not just talking about money, right? I'm going to go a whole lot further than that. I'll just make a statement, though. If we're saved and we're born again and we want to trust God with our eternal souls, but we don't trust God with the money he's allowed us to have, that just doesn't even make any sense at all to me. I have nothing to gain from that. I started giving. My wife and I give well over a tithe. I love to give it to the kingdom, man. In fact, my wife has to run our budget. If she, if she didn't run our budget, I would give it all away. I know me. She's generous, too. I don't mean she's, you know, a miser, but I'm just talking about I, I, I found out there's a gift here. Whoa, God, that is so cool, because there became an experience. Whoa, tithe, okay, okay, God, I'm going to tithe and all of a sudden the windows of heaven open. Come on. The windows of heaven. Not just money. Listen to me. It's not just cha-ching, cha-ching like a cash machine. Come on. It's not that. It's not that God I'm giving you money so I'm looking for money. But I stand before you today on Father's Day and I have two beautiful girls who are married to two great young men that are involved in ministry. My oldest daughter and her husband led worship on Father's Day today in their church. My younger daughter and her husband are executive pastors on Father's Day in another church. Come on. I stand before you and tell you God's favors on my family. Come on. God's favor's on my next. God's favor's on my grandchildren because I begin to move in obedience and this thing begins to change, not just me, but the very environment around me. Things start happening. But here's where we get hung up. God wants us to do it. And we measure what... See, you don't measure what's being asked. You measure who's asking. Do you understand the difference? You you, you might... You know, you, you might come to me and, and, and you might say, hey, Dwayne, I need my house cleaned today. And I can say, man, I love you, but find somebody. But, man, will my wife ask me to help out around the house? Somebody. See, it's not what's being asked, it's who's asking. You see, I believe there's an abundant life we're supposed to live, not just when we get in heaven. I don't believe we're supposed to endure this thing down here. I believe we're supposed to stomp on our circumstances. I believe the Bible says I'm not just a conqueror, but I'm more than a conqueror. I believe that the Bible says that he put in me rich gifts that are supposed to affect the the world and leave a legacy. Come on, somebody with me? I believe he called me to that, but they'll remain in me unless I walk them out through obedience. Now, we all fail. Can I I just go there? We all fail. Uh, We all mess up sometimes. The Bible says a just man falls seven times and then rises up again. In my 10 years of tenure as a bishop in the Northwest, I have had the the painful privilege. I think that's how I would put it. The painful privilege of leading three pastors through moral failure. One out of the three came out well. But the other two, it wasn't because of a lack of, of effort on Dwayne's part. Somebody? And not one time did I judge them when they were down. You remember when the don't church brought the woman caught in the very act active, of active adultery to Jesus? You remember that? Right? Scribes and Pharisees throw this one woman down. You know, she's trying to hold a sheet around her because she was, the scripture says she wasn't just an adulteress; she was caught in the act of adultery. And even in Bible days, adultery took two. Come on. Where's the dude? It wouldn't surprise me if it was a setup and the dude was standing there as one of them judging her. Somebody? Okay. They're busy judging her in her horrid condition. Jesus stoops down and writes in the sand. We always want to know what he wrote in the sand. I kind of think he wrote their names and their latest sins. I really do. I kind of think that. But, but that I realized that wasn't the importance. Here's what we missed in that. She was on the ground, and Jesus stooped down. He met the woman in her degradation at her level of pain. Somebody? He was always ready to lift them up. Come on. And I found myself there. I just want to lift you guys up. Come on, I want to help. Ne- never judge. Come on, can, can you please hear my heart there? Now, I've had to bring discipline to and all of that, but, but what I'm talking about here is a humility that says, God, what are you asking? See, I'm not even waiting on what you're asking me to do. I'm saying yes before I even know. Somebody with me? Because if you'll do that, you live this almost amazing ride in Christianity. Do you know why most people church hop and get critical and cause trouble in church? you know why most people do it? Because they're evil? No. Because they're off mission. Most people do that because they're bored. They're not busy doing their own thing. And so they get up in everybody else's business. I'm leaving tomorrow, so if I mess anything up, Pastor will take care of it, okay? But do you hear you hear what I'm saying? It's the reality is I'm supposed to be on mission. I'm on mission. There's something God wants me to do. And I told the guys this weekend too many Christians die full. God help us. Don't die full. You're gonna die. There's the good news. We're all going to die. Not today necessarily. Okay, come on. But you with me? We're all going to die. But don't die full. What do you mean by dying full? There are dreams. There are visions. There are callings in you that God put in you. And God planted there to come out of you through works of obedience. God put them in you to let you walk them out during life. Don't stop short. Don't get condemned over a failure. Get back up. Go do something. Walk this thing out. A habit of obedience. You'll fail again, but I would rather be making mistakes when he comes than doing nothing. Church attendance gets boring without obedience. Oh, can I just go there for a minute? you got to obey, and it's always going to cause a death in you. So there's got to be a love relationship that says, I'll do anything. My wife and I, we've been married 36 years. We grew up in the church together. Uh, She's an amazing lady. I married up. She got glasses after the wedding, and I'm very grateful for that. Come on, how many guys know you married up? Come on, if your wife's in here, you better get your hand up. Come on, are you with me? Come on, you know you're married up. I'm married up and she's an amazing lady and every now and then I'll look at her and i say, Jenna, I will lay my life down for you. But she knows it more than just my words. She knows I would die for her. And whatever she wanted, with it, I mean, I'm not gonna rob a bank for her so I'm not gonna violate the law, the Bible, right? Come on, are you with me? But I will, I will do whatever my bride wants and that's what I read according to the scripture that I'm supposed to love my wife like Jesus loved the church and gave himself. Come on, are you with me? And she knows that. How would it be any less from my Savior and Lord who gave everything up and hung between heaven and earth, and he who knew no sin became sin, so that I might attain to the righteousness of God. Whatever you want from me, Jesus, I'll do it. If it's a tithe, great. If it's my bank account, great. God, if it's my car, if it's my house, whatever you want, God, it's yours. I'm just waiting to hear from heaven so that I can walk it out. See, where we get in trouble is when we start going, that's wait, wait, ah, too much of a sacrifice. No, nothing's too much of a sacrifice compared to what he's done. But we'll blow it. Come on. So many other scriptures I need to go to, but let me let me let me, let me tell you a story. I remember when I was pastoring, I had a place where I, I, I like to, I'm, I'm a prayer walker. I do much better in my prayer life when I'm walking, not kneeling. Um, so that's, that's just me. My wife would say, Yeah, it's his undiagnosed ADD. That's what my wife would say if she was here today, okay? But I like to walk. So, where we lived is about a, a block, maybe a couple of blocks down to an old railroad that uh, uh, the tracks had been taken out, and so it's just a gravel trail. And I would walk that trail, praying for the church, praying for my family just asking the Lord, just in dialogue with, with my Savior, which is an amazing time. And I would walk that back and forth. I've been doing it for some time. And one day I came back down that trail and I hit the little maybe quarter mile, less than that, to my house, walking up that old road. And I passed by a house that I'd passed by dozens of times before where an older couple lived. And this older couple, you know, actually the lady was outside uh, doing something in her little garden area. And as I'm walking by, the Holy Spirit says, Go tell her about me. Go take a moment to share the good news. You ever had something like that happen? And I went, see? What, what, what? And I went into fear mode. Did you know fear and faith had similar attributes? Faith looks ahead and sees everything that can happen in Christ. And fear looks ahead and sees everything that could go wrong everybody with me? And I just got, and I didn't go tell her. She was dead in 72 hours. The church doesn't get real excited right about here. I failed miserably. I missed it. Now, what happens right there if I'm in works, here, here, get this, don't miss this. If I'm in works, I just brought myself under a level of condemnation that causes me to miss future obediences. Come on. In fact, I'm convinced the devil doesn't beat most of us up. He hands us the hammer. And I did that for a little while. Dink, dink, think, You idiot. What's wrong with you? And then I would talk to myself. A lot of things. Let me start here. Right? Come on. Are you with me? And then I had to get over that. Had to come through that, a just man. You have what's called the human condition. We will fail, but just never fail to get back up. You with me? Because it wasn't long later. Thank God he got me through that. Because it wasn't long after that that I am. Uh, uh, I, I I'm traveling. My father in law and uh, and my dad and I. I'm working together. We at that time I was I was cutting. Um, old cedar logs and, and that, that we'd make shakes and shingles out of it. So we had this one hour travel that we would, we would make to where we, ha- where we had this claim where we worked. And we would travel this on a regular basis, and they always wanted to stop at this little greasy spoon place and gra- get breakfast. They always wanted to prolong work as long as possible. So we would stop there every morning, grab breakfast, and I got the meeting a, a retired longshoreman, an old guy named Joe. Um, Joe didn't have that daily bath habit. Come on, uh, are, you, are you with me? Uh, Joe was an old guy, he didn't care what anybody thought, (laughs) and he would tell you what he thought in a heartbeat, and I learned really quick, get on Joe's good side and stay there, (laughs) because man, Joe could chew you up and spit you out, but Joe started liking me, and so we would sit there, and and we would have breakfast with Joe on a regular basis, sometimes three, four times a week, and uh, and, uh, then one day, Joe started, wasn't at the... Wasn't at that greasy spoon, and we started asking, and Joe had, had gotten ill and was put in the nursing home. So now we moved from breakfast with him to on the way back from work, we would stop by the nursing home to see Joe. And my father-in-law my dad, they just, man, they just loved Joe. They just spent time with Joe, and they, they cared about Joe. And, and, man, Joe was not open to the gospel. I mean, if I would have opened my mouth, I mean, he said Jesus plenty of times, but it wasn't in admiration. You know, are you with me? Um, and and he, he was a mess. And I remember one Saturday morning, I woke up. And, uh, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, go see Joe. I'd never been to see Joe on my own. I was scared to death of Joe without, without my bodyguards. Come on, are you with me? He's like, I don't want to go see Joe. Well, what do you mean, God? And God said, go see Joe, go see Joe. I jumped in a car and I drove 30 miles to see Joe. And I walked in and he wasn't in the main area of the nursing home. Oh, okay, he's not here. I'll go down and, and, and see if he's at the, the meal place. And he wasn't there. So finally I found one of the nurses. It says, where's Joe? Oh, um, Joe's in his room. And so I head down to his room, and, and when I open the door to Joe's room, he's laying on his, on his hospital bed, and he and, and, and just raises up, and he looks my way, and when he sees me, he breaks into tears, and he's bawling like a child, like, like, like a child. He's just weeping uncontrollably. I run over, and I take him by the hand, and he's just shaking, and he said, Dwayne, they almost lost me last night. See, he had almost died. EMTs came, and they saved him and i realized that hard veneer of life that had been through stuff that had built up this art, you know this he-man complex started to break down and i looked at him and i said and he said and he said i don't know where i would have gone ding 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 right answer i got the answer for you joe he just opened the door are you with me Come on, out of obedience. Come on, somebody hear this. Out of obedience. Uh, and I walk in, I say, hey, Joe, do you want to be sure? He said, yes, I do, Dwayne. I took old man Joe by the hand and said, Joe, repeat after me. If this is in your heart and in your lips, uh, I want you to begin to talk to Jesus. And he begins to speak. And he was born again that day in the hospital bed. And his life went from death to life because God spoke to a heart that said, go walk this thing out. And went, oh, my living God. This thing works. Now, here's the cool thing. It's never dull. It is amazing. Sometimes you do what's right and you get victories like that. Sometimes you do what's right and you get slapped in the face for it. Sometimes you do what's right, but either way, there's a word, there's an obedience, and there's an experience. And you have to be willing to sacrifice to obey what he's asking you to do. There's people in this room that you know you need to make some things right with some people. And you know that. And you've measured how hard it was going to be. It's quiet in this Pentecostal church right now. I can keep preaching on the shout side. But I just want to camp on the action side. Because see, the pen of a ready writer, the Holy Spirit, is writing. He's writing on you right now. I could point you out right now and tell you, go make it right. Go humble yourself. And don't be vague. Be straight. And I don't care how much they had a part in it. Go tell them you're sorry. Go fix it. Well, what if they don't respond right? See, we measure the next steps and we try to figure out what might happen rather than just doing what God asked us to do. Do you know there was a prophet in the Old Testament that God told him to lay on his side for how long? Three and a half years? It's a long time. It was more than a week. I can't remember the amount. Hey, that's stupid. If God didn't tell you to do it. Come on. There was a prophet in the Old Testament that God told him, you know what, your life's mate's going to be a whore. Marry a, Mary a whore. Can I just can use this? Come, come on, come on. A it. harlot for, for you. Marry a prostitute. Really? Really? That's that's with that's with her. Her. And then guess that's what? What? That's what? She's going to leave you and go back to her prostitution. And then you're going to go down to the prostitution houses and find her. And you're going to bring her back home like a chaste virgin. And she's going to be your wife again. That's in the Bible, guys. Well, I knew God was telling me to marry that prostitute. No, no, don't, listen, don't, don't go do something because it's in the Bible, right? Don't go, don't go lay on your side for three and a half years. Don't go marry a prostitute. But hear what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Somebody with, do you, do you hear my, now, now here's, here's why this is so important. Because it's only through obedience are generations framed. Right? Right? See, when you obey God, you not only affect your family unit, come on, and those around you, but you affect the very atmosphere for generations. Garnet and I were just talking out out on the sidewalk before we came in. And um, in 1968, uh, I was six years old. If you're good at math, you know how old I am now. Um, And overnight, my dad made the decision to move to Washington. I went to bed on a Sunday night with my mom's parents visiting from Washington. I was to get up on Monday morning and go to Head Start, I was to start school. When I got up on Monday morning, my bags were packed. And we climbed in a 1965 Chevy panel van, eight or nine of us. We'd have been breaking all kinds of laws nowadays, right? Um, And we drove to Washington. Literally uprooted life and changed. And I was telling him, I didn't know until uh, about a year ago the devastating effect it had on a lot of our family. Because a lot of the family, cousins, really looked up to my dad. I didn't know that. But that one step of what I look back now and recognize was obedience to God changed my life. It's the most significant move, so the most significant obedience my dad did in his lifetime with the exception of committing his life to Christ. I'm better today. I stand before you today with the privilege of helping pastors and churches and traveling across the nation and the world Because of somebody else's obedience. Somebody? See, the enemy will come to you once God brings the word. He will come to you and tell you everything that's going to go wrong. The enemy's voice sounds just like the guy on Gulliver's Travels. We'll never make it. (laughs) You're doomed. You're all going to die. Come on, right? Right? He has nothing but negative things to say. But there are people waiting on the other side of your obedience. Melissa, you obeyed God, and you came to this place. I got to experience the power of that anointing on your life in worship, and my life was touched deeply because you obeyed God, and you came to this house. I don't know how far you guys traveled. I don't know what you had to uproot, what you had to change. But my life has been impacted because you guys obeyed God. Thank you. You see the beauty of that? So we learn to move in obedience. I've got a lot of other scriptures, but I, 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 I want to drive this point home. The, the scripture says in Hebrews, the faith chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says... Tells us about faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? For by it, the elders obtained a good report. The Bible says um, faith works by love, so love is the foundation, right? Faith and our works, right? Faith and action changes entire generations. It says, by faith, the worlds were transformed. Now, if you don't read that right, you think about the blue marble, earth. No. You know what that's saying? Seasons and generations were changed through our acts of obedience. It's in you. Come on. What's God asking you to do? Don't just tithe when God says give 20%. Can I just keep plowing there? Come on. Come on. Come on, don't, don't just usher when God said help in the children's ministry. See, some, okay, God, well, I'm going to negotiate with you. God, I know you want me to tithe, but can I tip? See, anything less than complete obedience is not obedience. And he just keeps asking you. Did you know that? I was comfortable, man. I was going to be a state patrolman. That's what I was going to do in life. And Pastor God just got a hold of me when the Holy Ghost got in me. And he says, no, you're not. Pastor, my pastor says, Duane, I want you to be a youth pastor. I was 19, man. I was just like, what? Okay, I start, God starts doing something. One night he anointed me to preach. And man, I preached into the house. And then I had a crossroads. State patrolman, you know, that's one week's paid vacation every year. Come on, are you with me? It's like, God, that sounds pretty good. Or the ministry. Guaranteed to be fruitful. Come on, right? Guaranteed to make six figures, right? Um, at least pray for six figures anyway uh but the reality was I began I began to be set on a journey and then I, I started into that area and then and then okay now I want you to be a director I want you to be you director okay god I got to go do that well that was a that was a, a monetarily a step down from my from a good job to a guaranteed income of $200 a month Bless God, we're rocking now. Come on, are you with me? But God, here we go. We're gonna go do that. And we get in that for a while and then, and then God says, I'm calling you back to your home church. Oh, here we go. My first week's paycheck was $86. Here we go, God. You know, or something's happening here. And I spent 20 years there and one day I drive into the pulpit or drive into the parking lot of our church and I knew at that moment I was no longer belong there. I drove into that and I knew this is somebody else's place. God, you're saying something to me. And I argued and I wrestled with God because we get comfortable. Come on. I had a salary now. We had a, I was known as the pastor of Willapa Harbor. We had things rocking. We had a 20,000 square foot grocery store that had been renovated. And it was being used for a community center. And, and God was doing some great stuff. Friends from high school were getting saved. Come on. God was doing great things. And God said, hey, Dwayne, do you remember that obedience thing? get behind me, (laughs) come on, God, I'm comfortable, I got everything I need, and God said, no, come on, and six years ago, he said, just step away from it all, move away from your grandchildren, move away from your, your income, and go trust me again, come on, what, you see, I'm saying that, not to tell you what a good guy, I'm a mess on the best day, I'm waiting for an amen. Nobody gave an amen, so you don't know me that well. Okay, but I'm a mess on the best day, and I need Jesus. I'm telling you both my failures and times when I obey God. But I, my wife and I, we have been willing to walk this thing out, and we decided the only way we're going to die is empty. I have decided, God, I'm a, you asked me to, and I'm going to give you everything I've got to do it. I'm going to do it, God. And sometimes it costs some stuff, guys. There will be pains. There will be misunderstandings. In fact, I believe with all of my heart to do what God's called you to do, you've got to be willing to be misunderstood in your generation. You've got to be willing to just, I don't have to have everybody think I'm all that in a bag of chips. God, I just want to do what you're calling me to do. I don't want to be just stuck here in a Groundhog's Day doing church and attending church. I want to be launched into mission and doing what you've called me to do. And I believe every person in this building feels the same way. I believe every person in this building, there is something in in you that God is calling you to that is greater than just coming to church I'm not discounting it that's our foundation come on okay I gotta wind it down if, if you're gonna beat beat the Baptist to the buffet line right just kidding if any of you know me I'm just kidding Melissa and husband Walt we shook hands twice yeah, see, I told you, I'm a mess on the best day. Well, I uh, came a long way, settled in, been obedient. I, here's what I do know, spiritual daughter, I do know that. But there's some dreams in you. There's some deep dreams that have been delayed even, okay? Uh, been some real pain along the way too, but there's been some deep dreams that have been delayed, and you're coming into a season of seeing these things speedily answered, I don't know how to, I don't even know how to describe that. I'm just going to tell you what I feel. And I felt that during worship. It's just going to happen so quickly. And with less effort than you've been putting forth. The favor of God, because you've put so much effort in trying to make this thing happen. And it's almost as if you're going to take your hands off it and it's just going to happen. And you're going to, oh, oh, God. But it's going to be a response to the fact that you've been obedient to the voice from heaven. You're here by God's will. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You're here by God's will. Um, You're just setting the atmosphere of this house through your worship. Amazing, right? Come on, amazing, amazing, amazing gift from God. Amazing gift from God. But all your worries and concerns are going to be answered, and you're going to see a speedy answer to that which you've been praying for. Since that, I see that. I recognize that in your life. that all right? We doing okay? Everybody doing okay? Praise the Lord. The season of this church, One Life, when I was here last fall, I said if I lived in this area, I would, this would be my church and that would be my pastor. Um, I want you to know that. The season of this house is coming into its greatest fruitful season you've ever known. In fact, If, if you're here, if you're here, and you have children that have wandered away, I want you to stand to your feet. If you have children that are not serving the Lord today, that you're believing or returning to the kingdom, I want you to just without hesitation come to your feet, because I want to agree with you. Come on, I want to agree with you. Come on, look, look at this. Look at this. Come on. Give you a moment. Would you, would you just take a moment with me? I'm going to pray for you guys. I believe, and I want you to begin to call out their names, and I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. Pastor, are we doing okay? Are we all right on time and everything? Okay. So I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, there are men and women that stand here that represent another generation. They represent a younger generation. They represent sons and daughters that have wandered away. They represent sons and daughters that have been wounded or caught up in addictions or or caught up in things and and even the condemnation of the world. Father, we lift these names before you and we claim them for the kingdom in Jesus' name. Father, we lift this young generation to you and we pray that every blindness that the enemy has brought upon them will fall like scales fell from Paul. Paul's eyes. God, that every every pride or ignorance of heart, God, would be melted away. And God, that you would speak to them and touch them even where they are today. You will begin to speak to them through other people. you begin to speak to them through dreams and vision. You'll begin to melt their heart through the inner working of the Holy Spirit. And we call our sons and daughters home in the name of Jesus. We call them home in the name of Jesus. We call them home in the name of Jesus. God, we call them home. We, we break off the condemnation. We break off the lies of the enemy. We break off the Bands of religion in the name of the, the name of the Lord, and we speak healing to the wounds of heart, and we pray restoration, restoration in the name of the Lord. Come on, we claim it in Jesus name. Amen, I want you to begin to see them saved because they're coming home. Amen, They're coming home in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen, you can, you, you can be seated, you can be seated. Hallelujah. Begin to see it that way. Begin to proclaim it. The Bible says that we speak those things that are not as though they already were. We see it. Amen? We see it. We see it, and we proclaim it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Wow. I'm having fun today. I love being with you guys. I love what the Lord is doing. Hallelujah. I just had you seated. Now I'm going to ask you to stand. Some of you just didn't get enough exercise this week, and the Lord's revealing it to me right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Can you just take a moment and bow your head? Maybe, Melissa, may I have you at the keys for a moment? Is that okay? You're already on your way. Thank you so much. Just just bow your heads where you are, because I want you just to settle into that place with you and Jesus, that place where the Holy Spirit's at work on the inside, and take a moment, because I really believe it, especially after this message, that, that we would have a response so maybe maybe you're here maybe you're here and, and you would say Dwayne I'm one of those that the Holy Spirit has spoke to me on several occasions I need to go make some things right I need to go heal a relationship own my part and reconcile something and you would just lift a hand and say that's me yep, there you go, there you go, there you go, there you go, okay, a number of hands in the building have already been raised. Now, Father, we covenant together with the hands that have been raised that we won't walk away and delay doing what you've asked us to do, but God, you will begin to work on the other party even now, and our faith will not rest in the results But our faith will rest in the obedience because your word came to us. So I speak reconciliation and healing in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and and you say, Dwayne, the Holy Spirit's work in me is that I'm away. I've not committed my life or maybe I need to recommit my life to Christ and I feel him nudging my heart and I want to make that commitment today. Maybe that's you. If it is, Just raise a hand and say, would you pray for me today? Amen. I see that hand. I see your hand. I see that hand.